From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Darn right. Ooh, I like a darn right. I mean, it's almost as good as a darn tootin'. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link above our homepage and join today. Also, I can give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hoppin' Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, and Devin Stinson. <laughs> Woo! Brian Bryanson. It, whenever he wants to switch that, that's... It's That's up to him, man, so but funny. I, I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. And you actually just met one of our Black Belt patrons. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, and we have not, we uh, we have not convened we since then, so we'll talk about that yeah. uh, in just a couple of minutes here. Sure. Um, and then uh, head on over to blindnewsstudios.com. Click on the store link on the top of our page or go to teespring.com slash store slash studios and check out our cool merch. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian. What have you been up to, man? It's it's been oh um, so. I guess a little bit of backstory. So we missed last week because Lando ate the episode. <laughs> I apologize about that. Um, I tried. I you know I don't I don't even know why I had it lying around. Um, for those of you who don't know, I put all of the episodes on multiple floppy disks in yeah. order to transfer them from the basement studio up to uh, my office where I upload them, um, and it takes a long time. Wait, you're you're being serious? Oh, <laughs> I was like, why would you, why would you use a flop? I mean, you do computer stuff for work. You might do that. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, and Lando got a hold of him. So uh, we're gonna re-record that episode. Uh, I guess for next week. Uh, this week we're gonna do a listener mailing to kind of catch up because it yeah, it's been a minute. So yeah, uh, Brian, what have you been up to, man? Um, oh God, lots of stuff, man. Uh, I'll save the, the, the Florida stuff for the next one, but, uh, I was in St. Louis pretty recently and so, um, was able to try out a few local breweries, uh, at a, uh, yeah, Devin took us or had us meet up, you know, he took us to this, uh, it was like a German style, uh, restaurant. Um, that had a whole bunch of uh, beers I've never heard of. Uh, and the one that sticks out in my mind, and this is for two reasons. One, this beer, there were some pretty major fermentation flaws in it. Um, it was a Pilsner called, I know the owner, Pilsner. <laughs> so that resonated with me. I think that's really funny because I, I think a lot of people will walk into the brewery and say, I know Brian. Which is sort of why my Instagram, well, no, it is why my Instagram handle is at I underscore no underscore Brian. So I know Brian because it's just, it's funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, yeah, so this Pilsner and my buddy Tony was drinking it and he was like, it tastes like a Belgian kind of. And I said, yeah, there was some pretty wild off flavor problems going on with this beer. So I tried that one and then uh, Devin recommended a few other ones and we had a shoot. He's going to, he'll have to correct me, but I think it was like a Neapolitan ice cream Sunday hazy IPA. Okay. Sort of a thing. And I 
I really want to say I didn't like it, <laughs> but I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. St. Louis was a gas. Um, I can talk more across the different episodes about uh, how much of a blast it was to hang out with Devin and his uh, lovely wife, uh, Mrs. Rose Stinson. Um, had a really, really fun time with them. Um, definitely our kind of people. So awesome. It was uh, a blast. What about you, man? Uh, yeah, so I uh, finally got a brew in. Uh, the weather's been amazing. Um, yeah. And so I brewed a tropical stout. Um, and then I have everything ready. Um, and I was going to brew it today, but I unfortunately wasn't able to. Uh, I'm going to try to get it done tomorrow. The uh, r- Irish Red for the Every Style Challenge rebrew. Um, I've been getting more than more more comments than I care to admit about people asking about it. And so about yes, rebrews? Yeah. fine. I'm finally doing the rebrews. Okay, you win. Uh, so I'm doing that. Um, so we'll be as soon as that beer is done, uh, we will be doing an episode on it and I'm gonna try the goal is to do one a month for the next uh, 14 months and that will get us uh, all of them rebrewed. Oh my goodness. there are that many yeah, I forget that was, that's just seems it seems so long ago. I know, right? I, I had hoped all of our listeners had forgotten. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so I, I brewed uh, the Tropical Stout, which is a rebrew of one of the, it was it was a rebrew of one of the ones that I hit style on, um, and I just kind of wanted that beer on for springtime. Our listeners don't forget much. <laughs> no, they don't, and it's really irritating sometimes, uh, but it's okay. I love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would not be here. Uh, just the the. I love all the messages, man. Keep them coming. It's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, and then uh, we've been chatting with uh, one of the guys from was I. I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, Sugar Creek Malting. Yeah, I wish I would have pulled that up. Yep. Uh, and so we'll have a little bit more information on that uh, for, as things kind of develop. But uh, we were chatting, and they contributed malt to a new Glarus beer. That we have in front of us here. It is the Triple Five. Um, and I believe they uh, contributed the the corn. I would, uh, this is a very long thing, but they uh, are in Indiana. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're in Indiana. Yeah. They have, okay. um, and like, we'll go into more detail, um, like when we, when we hopefully have them on the show. Uh, but they do, like, a lot of traditional malting and stuff like that. And that was very cool. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. His personal page is Sugar Creek Homebrew. What is the name of the malt? It's uh, Sugar Creek Malting. Is it? Oh, it is. SugarCreekMalt.com. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, and then he sent us a really cool article that I still haven't read, but you liked it. So I'm yep. sure that it'll be interesting. But, yeah, we actually we have this beer here, Triple Five. Yeah. And so we wanted to kind of try that on the show and... Chat about it while we're uh, going over some listener mail. So as this is pouring, uh, we'll do that. So we'll start uh, with Michael. Um, and he has two questions here because we got kind of a backlog of stuff this month. So there gonna... are a ton yep. of email or letters or emails yes. we got to go through. Uh, so first one. Uh, hey, friends. Unfortunately, my most recent beer, a Pilsner, a uh, taste of acetaldehyde. Uh, not too much uh, or impalatable, but it is noticeable. On... Um, uh, I already put it in a keg. Uh, would it be worth simply setting it at very low pressure and letting it sit and potentially condition for another couple of weeks? Um, or is this a lost cause? Or should I do something else entirely? So we're talking about acetaldehyde, um, and that is a fermentation off flavor. Yeah. Uh, 
if we could kind of get a little bit into it. So acetaldehyde smells and tastes like green apples, and sometimes it's described as like oxidized apples or like an acetic cider. So it forms in beer. Uh, it is the immediate precursor to ethanol and fermentation. So much like diacetyl, acetaldehyde is found in large quantities during uh, like the early fermentation yeah. as the yeast kind of produces it like in mass uh, in, in the early in the metabolic cycle. Uh, so if there's a high enough amount of dissolved of DO, of dissolved oxygen present in, in a young beer, then the oxygen could react with ethanol and oxidize it back into acetaldehyde. Yeah. So, yeah. So unfortunately, also sitting too long on the yeast is another way. So well, uh, poor yeast health is what we're poor yeast health. Yeah. yeah. Um, so unfortunately, letting it uh, sit in condition, this isn't uh, one that can be conditioned out. Um, it's just once it's there, it's kind of there. Um, there's not there's not a ton you can do about it, unfortunately. Um, croisoning could remove excess, but I mean, if you're already fermented, you're it's yeah. If you're already fermented, there's there's not much you can do about it, um, especially with a lager. Um, letting it sit there, you're you're not you're not going to gain anything. Um, if you don't like it, I mean, dump it is kind of what yeah. my my advice would be. Unfortunately, it's, it is real sad watching beer go down the drain, but um, you have to do it. Hey, you know what? Brew 80, 80 times in eighty weeks, and uh, you become a lot less precious about your beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, watch uh, hundreds of of gallons of. A beer that go, has to hurt. Go down the drain. Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly, especially when it's bourbon barrel aged stuff. Like we, we just dumped two full barrels. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Gotta yeah. do it. Um, and then let's see. Yeah. So uh, to prevent it, just I mean, watch your oxygen. Mm-hmm. Is like don't don't do any unnecessary transfers. If you do, like minimize oxygen as much as possible. So no splashing. Uh, if you can. Uh, transfer under pressure, do that. We still need to do an episode on that, um, mm-hmm. but that's something I need to play around with a little bit more in order to get more uh, just just familiar with it myself. Yeah, keep in mind too uh, the this excessive oxygen pickup. It, it it can help, or I'm sorry, it can happen when you're dry hopping too in in this sort of situation. So we at the brewery, you know, the tank gets bubbled, get CO two gets bubbled in to the on top of the head, you know, before and and then after. Uh, to, to purge that. Um, so if you can figure out kind of how to do that, if you had like a, you know, your CO2 tank, you could maybe like right. blast, yeah. a little blast CO2. it in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, another question for Michael. I recently came into some super cheap hops, so I scooped them up. I've been experimenting with them and some smash beers, etc. cetera, uh, but I found some are pretty uh, sweet or flo- and floral, but some are not. So the question is, when making a new recipe, would you skew towards estimating too floral or too bitter? For example, the IPA I made was quite delicious, but I could have used a bit more uh, bittering hop. I used Magnum with late flameout hop additions of my new bargain hop. Um, I wanted to make sure I was able to taste the new hop, but I'm thinking that I should have just gone a bit more on the bittering side uh, just so I'd have that balance. Any thoughts? This is a good one. Uh, so using hops with like an unknown IBU or I guess uh, alpha acid, um, which when you get experimental hops, you'll have that. Or if you're growing them yourself, you don't necessarily know what the alpha acids are. Do you have any tips for that, Brian? I, I think I misread this. I <clears throat> He didn't know what the numbers were on them. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know, um, and he wasn't, in, or, the, or the flavor. Oof. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it, to answer your question, would the... 
top one here, when making a new recipe, skew towards that's being too floral, too bad. I would always lean towards more too floral. You can't, I don't feel like you can be too floral. Yeah, I, I would, I, I would well, skew frankly. more towards like getting those hop aromas and stuff. Don't worry too much about the, about the bitterness. I mean, you want that there. Yeah. So, I mean, well, it looks like he used Magnum, and Magnum's kind of a range. It's usually pretty high. Yeah, yeah, as his bittering hop. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would be, it wouldn't top out at more than like 19%. Yeah, yeah, so I would use Magnum, like using Magnum as your bittering hop is good. Magnum Super or good Warrior, idea. it's, I mean, it's going to be a clean bitterness. Yeah. Um, so you, you did really well there. Um, yeah, I would just say, like with anything, you're going to have to experiment a little bit. Um, Make uh, I would say like make a hop tea. Yeah. Maybe try to get try to get an idea of what the flavor is, that, or that's always an option. Um, even uh, get some get some American lager mm-hmm. from uh, from your local liquor store. Pop them and drop some hops in, um, and do like a little uh, mini dry hop. Yeah. Do like one, you know, like one pellet per one ounce or something. But you know, then again, like not all pellets are created equally. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll, it'll at least give you an idea of what the flavor is mm-hmm. and, and you're not going to get any summarization, but yeah. you will get an idea of the flavor of what the flavor is in a beer. We were, work- we're working on a Mexican lager at the brewery and we bought Modelo and then put, um, salt and lime in it. Oh, nice. To test it. So out. you, uh, you're basically just, uh, copying the BNS strategy of drinking Modelo every day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we've rubbed off on you. Damn it. Yeah, I had a Modelo yesterday at this 517 in downtown Hudson because they have they have a pretty decent selection, but I um I was like, yeah, I'll just have a Modelo because it also had a skull tap handle, which I thought was Well, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question from the Hop Stop. Just double checking, making sure they were recording. That Lando's not eating my floppy disks. Oh, All God. Right. We are. We're good. Everything's good. This is the underscore hop stop. This yep. came via uh, Instagram. Instagrams. Yep. Yeah. Um, kind of a multi-part question. How much should you be expecting to boil off per batch? Is there any way to estimate boil off? I feel like no matter uh, my pre-boil volume, I still end up having to top off uh, with half my expected batch size. Is there like a rule of thumb for how much you should be topping off batches with? The hop stop is doing extract um, brewing. Okay. Right now, and uh, and it's been a while since I've looked at one of the extract sheets, but from what I remember, they esti- or you're only doing um, a 50% boil anyway, and then you're topping off to about half, uh, or topping off with another two and a half gallons of water to bring your, up, bring your full volume up at the end with the stovetop boils. Yeah, so <clears throat> for homebrew size batches of five gallons, which is 19 liters, your evaporation rates normally, uh, you'd measure it in gallons or liters, obviously, per hour. Um, and typically, we're talking one to one and a half. Yeah, I think that's about right. You could say right. our 3.8 to there And there, there are, there are ways to kind of estimate it over time. you got to experiment with it. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to change uh, based off of your heat source, um, how vigorous your boil is. Barometric pressure. Yeah, the weather. The weather. Uh, <laughs> like the, the negativity of the air in the room. Like, do you have the garage door cracked? Are you boiling yep. clothes? Like, there's... The, you, you, you've got to experiment. You yep. know what I mean? Figure out some and way to you, yeah, you'll, measure. You'll kind of get that in eventually. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, so estimate about a gallon an hour. 
I, I would I'm say. fairly certain there's a boil off rate calculator yep. out there. Uh, there's, uh, there's, and I know they're built into tools like Beersmith or Brewfather. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, I will have a Brewfather update for you guys next week because I finally used uh, the app on this Tropical Stout Brew. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, as far as topping up half your expected size, I yeah, I mean when you're when you're brewing extract, expect that. Um, once you, when you move into full boil volumes, then you shouldn't be, uh, topping off with anything. Yeah. Um, once, once you kind of have an idea of what your, what your, um, your boil off rate is and stuff like that, you shouldn't, yeah, you won't, you won't be topping up anymore. I don't know the last time I topped off a batch except when I overshot gravity, <laughs> which is a completely different issue. Mm-hmm. All right, um, and then we have a question from Brian Bryanson. Oh, boy. Uh, Brian Bryanson here. Uh, <laughs> I had a question about cold crashing. I often hear you guys talk about it, as well as other home uh, slash pro brewers. I fully understand the concept and reason for cold crashing, but my assumption is that once the temp is reduced for clarity, it is kept cold and put into kegs for further conditioning or carbonating. However, what if you're bottling? I currently ferment and bottle condition my beer in a dark interior closet in my basement where it says stays a very consistent uh, temperature around 64 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, when my beer is finished fermenting, um, I don't have a way to keep that many bottles cold during uh, the bottle conditioning phase. Does it matter if the beer gets up back to around 64 after cold crashing? Should I not bother cold crashing at all? Thanks for any info you may have. Uh, this is a very good question. Yeah. Um, when, when we're talking about cold crashing, um, the reason there, there's a few reasons we do it, but the main one is to drop as much a particular matter out of suspension as possible. Um, and like if you're at, so bottle cold is what I would say. Yeah. Um, because that's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna get the clearest beer that way. However, once you've bottled, you don't need to worry about that stuff going back into solution because you've left it behind in the fermenter or the bottling bucket, whatever you've done, right? So you don't need to worry about it becoming cloudy again. Unless you get like chill haze or something like that, which uh, is another thing that we've talked about a few times, uh, I believe during our malt um, malt series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having it come back up uh, for bottle conditioning, you you have to do. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to carbonate. Yeah, could be your yeast or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing it back up to around sixty five uh, is perfect and fine. You don't the need yeast to worry about won't it. be active. They'll be dormant, yep. and then you won't get your your carbonation. Yeah, will, you'll have flat beer. Well, you'll have flat beer, and it'll take forever. But yeah, I mean, there, there's also the the idea of like a soft crash. Like you can crash in phases too. That's this is another experimentation thing, honestly. See what works well for your system, yeah. and well, I, like I don't know what kind of carboys and stuff or fermentation vessels that Brian has. So yeah, I that's don't another. Either. Uh, factor x factor yeah yep yeah and how how you're cold crashing like if you're just throwing in a fridge or Mm -hmm. what like because a fridge it's going to be a more gradual um crash than if you are are using a jacketed fermenter that you drop down to to zero c or whatever yeah this triple five is quite good it's very good (laughs) i am enjoying it it's very nice yeah all right new glarus all right, then we have a question from Bjorn, Bjorn Bjornson. Probably. All right, uh, while you were moving fast onto the Blam book, uh, that's uh, Brew Like a Monk, 
Um, I'm still caught up in the new IPA book. I'm looking more deeply in some of the points in the book and trying to see uh, what I can use to improve my own brewing techniques. The things I have been using for a while is the short um, and cold and multiple dry hop additions. Um, then I started to consider uh, the mercine extraction is mainly done between day one and two, and one of the papers lined out that the most fruit-forward beer was the one uh, when hops contact time was about one day. Also, the thing about smaller batches uh, had better extraction than larger, uh, talking about brewery size versus homebrew size. Then I started to ponder if, if it was the sequence of dry hopping that gave a specific dry hop result, or if in, if I, instead of doing multiple stages of dry hop, I just split my batch into four smaller containers for dry hop, e.g. 20 liters split into four or five liters container, containers, um, and then split the total dry hop amount into four, so 200 grams into four 50-gram uh, shots into those smaller containers, and then dry hop for one day at four degrees C in four separate containers before I transfer all back into a single keg, blending them. What are your thoughts doing dry hop this way rather than more the standard sequential dry hop? I have I have two immediate thoughts, and one of them is that it, that sounds like a really <clears throat> a really interesting idea, but thought two is that it sounds like a giant pain in the ass. I so I I'm I'm very curious about it. Um, I am too. I would. I mean, from a from a commercial standpoint, I, this is really neat. But uh, I get I get weird. I get suspicious and paranoid, which is always good when you're a brewer mm -hmm. on any level. A healthy dose of paranoia and whatnot is good. But uh, moving liquid around this much, it's just yep. It's this so, will get any brewer in a tizzy moving this yeah, liquid around. Um, this I, I'm I'm curious. So I, I really want to know what his results of this experiment Same. are. Um, I, I think it's a really good idea. I, has anyone done this one? N I, not that I'm Bru aware of. Brewlosophy or I, I don't think so. Well, Bjorn, you might have some original uh, research going here too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know I know he does all of his transfers under pressure, so oxygen mm -hmm. shouldn't be an issue for Bjorn. For Bjorn, yeah. yep. yep. Um, and like. I like the idea, and I'm curious, like, the blend back which is is what really uh, really makes me wonder. Because, like, if this works and you get a lot more fruit forward, like, then why not start using different hops in your smaller ones and then blending for the flavor that you want? Yeah, this could be a game changer kind of on a couple different levels. So this neat idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'm 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 a little flabbergasted by it, but I I love it. <laughs> um, and yeah, we can we kind of talk back and forth a little bit on it. Um, I I just I really want to know the yeah the result of this. I wish he were closer. We could right. It's just well, you know, we're all going to be vaccinated soon. And we can probably we'll, get a we'll get we'll get <laughs> Bjorn. We'll get we'll get to you one of these days. <laughs> K Casey and I both have very um very much have wanderlust, so mm -hmm. it's. <laughs> All right, um, and then one last uh, question here uh, before we wrap up this episode. Uh, this one's from Allison. Uh, enjoying the show very much. Any updates on the rebrew for the 80s style challenge? I just mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> and any thought to adding... Uh, Are you getting snappy with Allison? <laughs> uh, any thought to adding uh, to that the new styles in, uh, that the BJCP added in the past few years to mix it up? Between the Brew Book Club. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've also, like, kind of thought about the Every uh, every Style Challenge Lager Edition, so I got I got ideas. Um, but I need to finish the rebrew first. He's Allison. got ideas, Allison. I have, I have some well, ideas. Now I'm getting snappy with Allison. Right? Jeez. Stop being snappy with Allison. Sorry. Man. 
Um, I really enjoyed it because it uh, definitely opened my eyes to trying new styles. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made uh, before looking at you, Piwo, and Tropical Paradox, uh, which is the one I just rebrewed. Uh, based on your episode, I refuse to brew a sati. I mean, I, I, that's a style <laughs> I need to, I need to revisit because I feel like there was, there was some injustice done to yeah. a traditional brew, and I feel a little bad. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that next week a little bit. We're talking about tradition. Um, the white stout episode was a plus as well. Um, my listener mail question for you guys is as follows. If you haven't already answered this question on a previous episode, I want to make my first fest beer after fermentation, diacetyl rest, etc., are complete. Would it be better to store the beer in the fermenter in my fridge until late summer, early fall, uh, to put it in my keg with CO2 or bottle and store cold? Uh, do you know a rule of thumb for is how long it will be good for fermenter versus keg? Or am I better off making a mock lager with a clean fermenting ale yeast later in the summer? Cold conditioning for a few weeks in the keg. This will also be my first pressure fermented brew if that has any... <coughs> Sorry. Uh, if that has any standing. Thanks for the podcast and keep up the good work. Ooh. There's a few things in here. Yeah. Um, first of all, okay. shelf life on a lager. Very long. Okay, well, let, let's let's... Okay, well, back up. Yeah, let's back up here. As as my my favorite, very favorite brewer and very favorite, almost my one of my very favorite breweries uh, is uh, Bad Weather Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. Andy said to me one time, he said, "A lager isn't when when the lager goes into a keg or a bottle, it's not lagering anymore. It's getting old." If you the first thing you said was should I keep it in the fermenter in the fridge, right? Oh yeah, until late uh, until late summer, early uh, fall. Blah 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 blah. Yes, do that, you, and then taste it along the way because you're gonna your mind is gonna be blown at how this beer will totally smooth out and change. Um, God, if we could lay down Minnesota and Hellas for three months, that'd be awesome. It's just not. It's not you, possible you at your scale. Yeah. So that the first option that you said that is the best option. If you don't have that option, the second option would be the keg with CO two, yeah. or well, or maybe even keg without CO two. Yeah, keg, keg and let it uh, carb it later. Yeah, well, and yeah, you could just let it. Yeah. Um, I guess keg condition. Yeah, keg condition. So then the third option, not you know, saying it's like a bad option, but it's the worst option out of the three is the bottling. Bottling and store cold. Uh, um, but then again, you don't want to store. Like you want to, you also need to bring it up to temp, uh, so yeah. it can actually ferment so, out, so that you can and carb. bottle it. Yeah, um, that is a good a good question. Though. It is very good question. Just just always remember that when it when as soon as it's done lagering is in, in its package, it's just getting old. Yep, once it's packaged, it's old. But as far as shelf, like it'll it'll keep. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Like what what I you you always talk about Zorro Rojo. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's one of your guys' loggers. That's that's a tester for me, man. Like I I've I had when we were kind of doing the song and dance for a distributor one time, and they were sort of like checking out our beer. I plunked a seventeen month old Zorro Rojo in front of them, and they were like, "Oh, ranting and well, this beer is great, uh, ranting and raving, you know." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's seventeen months old, man." Yeah. So as long as it's properly packaged um, and stored cold. It will last a long time. Yep, and then obviously no temp fluxes like cold. I took it out, put it in the trunk of my car on a summer day, then put it back in the fridge, then took it out again, etc. Yeah, don't I mean consistent. Yeah, so if Be if you consistent. if you do brew a lager or brew a lager this this spring and you're able to keep it cold all summer, it will definitely be good. Um, 
yeah. for Fest this fall. But yeah, good question, Allison. All right, I think we covered everything there. Is Allison possibly the only female listener we have, or are there others out there? There are definitely others. Six, four, four or five of them, or six? I don't, I don't know what our metrics are. Oh. I didn't, I mean, I don't I mean, have I think we there. could probably look at look into that, maybe, right? I mean, I, I guess we could. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Gordon's in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> chuckling over there. Uh, yeah. Um, All right, yeah. yeah. Should we get out of here? Sure. I know where the outro music is. Leave me alone. Do you want me to start talking about something? Yeah, I actually, if you would just start talking about things that are completely unrelated. All right, guys, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerdstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindnerdstudios.ninja. You can also find us on Instagram at blindnerdstudios. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.